You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB Extras, the Houston Astros edition. Hello, everybody. I'm Allison Footer, and I'm here with Brian McTaggart, who is anxiously awaiting his trip to Florida to begin spring training. Um, And there's really not a ton that's going on with the Astros tags, but... There is the lingering question of, are they interested in Dallas Keuchel? Are they interested in Marwin Gonzalez? Um, and could they bring one or two of those guys back? Jim Crane <laughs> um, at the Astros Gala last weekend uh, indicated that he really wants them back. Uh, Jeff Luno wishes that he would say stuff like that. <laughs> and it was much more boy. But uh, what, what do you think the odds are that those guys return to the Astros? Yeah, I still think it's really unlikely. I mean, it's, you know... Um especially Marwin. I, I think Dallas is probably a little more likely at this point. I mean, they, as we all know, they sort of filled Marwin's need by trading for uh, Ledmus Diaz a couple of months ago. So, but yeah, I mean, if Keiko wanted, I mean, if Marwin would come back, I mean, I think they'd find a way to make it work. So I wouldn't close the door on it completely, but Dallas, you know, uh, they, you know, they need a starting pitcher and a left-hander would be good. And uh, you know, he's out there. So, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to come down on his price, whatever that is. And, you know, maybe he would be satisfied with, a, you know, a shorter deal to come back to the, to the Astros. Uh, who knows? I mean, I certainly uh, it's been fascinating that, that both these guys are out there. And there are more than 130 free agents, as we do this podcast, who are still out there. And we're two weeks away from the start of spring training. So um, I think a lot of guys are going to have to bite the bullet a little bit and, and take uh, lesser deals and, and, you know, that gets into a whole bigger story with the uh, Players Association and what could happen down the road. But uh, times have changed. And uh, so until they until they sign with other teams, I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. But I still think it's really unlikely. Yeah, I think that the Keiko situation is just it's just very interesting to sort of follow along with that. Anybody in the industry that you would ask that's, uh, you know, knowledgeable about the stuff says that he's the perfect fit for the Phillies. Uh, they have a very right-handed rotation. The Phillies are ready to win. They want to spend stupid money, that which is a quote from one of their owners, and uh, haven't really had a chance to do that yet. And it's interesting because I feel like, and I have not talked to Keiko, I've not talked to his representation, but I do feel like he would be moved to want to come back to Houston, uh, where they have a very real chance to win another World Series, and might even be tempted to, to take a, a lesser deal, a shorter deal. But that Players Association puts a lot of pressure on these guys. That's been going on since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the Players Association, that they really want you to take the best deal, not necessarily the one that you might want in the end. Um, and just given everything kind of going on right now between MLB and the Players Association, it seems like this would be a time that they're really stressing that this is that they need to be sort of falling in line. Um, and that can really affect some of the decisions. And I wonder, you know, do you, do you wonder if that might be going on with Keiko right now? Yeah, it might. But I mean, I don't think I have no idea what he was asking for. I got to think it was a lot of money over a long period of terms that he's not going to get. And I think times have changed. And, you know, the players like it or not, are going to have to settle for some smaller and shorter deals. Um, you know, I know that Players Association is not going to like to hear that. But, um, you know, uh, you know, a return to Houston, I think, would give him some comfort. I mean, he, he, uh, you know, obviously he's homegrown Astro, played seven years in Astro's uniform. Um, he's a guy who's been on winning teams 
uh, you know, what, three of the last four years. So, it probably, you know, I'm sure he, he doesn't want to go and pitch for a team that doesn't have a chance to win. And, and like you said, with Cole and Verlander coming back, you could plug him right in that rotation. So uh, I, I guess it just comes down to the player individually, how much he values um, where he goes, his chance to win, his comfort level, and, of course, the money. But it, it's really been a fascinating couple of years for free agents. And I can't believe so many guys are sitting here still looking for jobs as we get ready to start camp. Yeah, it's not good for the game. It's really, it's not good for the industry. It's not good for interest from fans. It's just, it's just not good. Um, but we move on to something that is of more interest, and that is the fact that the Astros still have a lot of players in the top 100 uh, in terms of listing the the top 100 prospects. Um, you know, when you look back, at all of the deals, all the trades that the Astros have made to get to that World Series, um, and even things that they were doing beyond that, you would think that they're their farm system might be a little bit less than it was when they were at the height of their rebuilding, but they've got what six guys in the top 100. So that bodes well for the future for this franchise. Yeah. Only two teams had more than the six guys that were by MLB pipeline that was released uh, on, uh, on Saturday, the, the January 26th. So, and for those guys are pitchers. I mean, we talk about pitching and oh, what are the Astros going to do with their pitching rotation in the next couple of years when if Verlander and Cole are gone and McHugh's gone, well, you know, we all know about Forrest Whitley. He's the number seven ranked prospect in all of baseball entering this year. And then Josh James is 62. Uh, Corbin Martin is 81. And even J.B. Bukowskis, former number one pick, he's 97. So they have young pitching, good young pitching coming up still. So, um, you know, if a couple of these guys can hit and, you know, they can plug in with a veteran, you know, they still have a chance to have a really good pitching staff. Um, outside of pitching, Cal Tucker also on the list at number eight. And then Jordan Alvarez, um, a guy who probably doesn't get as much attention as he probably deserves, is number 44, big slugging outfielder who can play some first base they got from the Dodgers and the, the Josh Fields trade, which worked out great because Josh Fields gave up a couple of massive home runs to the Astros in the playoffs. So uh, that deal really worked out nicely for the Astros in getting a player, you know, Alvarez's caliber. And he's, he's going to push for playing time in the big leagues as well. But, yeah, you're right. All the trades they've made – um, you know, Verlander and McCann and several other. I mean, they, they did give up some, you know, prospects like Franklin Perez went to Detroit. Jeff Luno said at FanFest that that deal does not get done. Uh, you know, Franklin Perez doesn't get dealt. And they, they've given up a, a lot of prospects. Here they are still with, with uh, six in, in the top 100. It's pretty impressive. We, um, we've seen a lot of the Astros lately. They've had, they had their fan fest, they had their caravan, they had a gala. So we've been able to catch up with uh, a lot of players. You certainly were able to talk to basically anybody who is, uh, who had surgery, who's been nursing some, you know, injuries over the off season, trying to get healthy, a whole bunch of guys. It's, I mean, everything is very positive right now. Every, you know, there's a lot of optimism as you go into spring training. Um, what did you glean from, uh, Jose Altuve's rehab process, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, whose season ended with a, but he had a pretty bad back during the playoffs last year. What what did you, uh, what did you get from what what these guys told you? Yeah, it all seemed really positive, and you know the proof will be you know when spring training starts and, and see you know what's going to happen. You know Altuve, they're going to ease him into spring training, which I think they would have done anyway. I mean, there's no reason to. You know, this thing is six weeks long. There's no reason to uh, just ride your best player into the ground in in, Jan- in, the, in the month of February. Um, and, you know, they'll do the same with Bregman. You know, he's only a couple of weeks removed now from that elbow surgery. But uh, he was saying if we had a game tomorrow, we could play. And I, I actually I actually told someone in the organization that he said that. And and he was like, well, yeah, he probably could. He's, but, you know, obviously they're 
no reason to to rush him at this point. I know that that Bregman has, you know, told uh, told me that March first was the day he wanted to come back. But if he comes back March seventh, so be it. They got plenty of time on all these guys. Altuve is running. Um, it looks like he he's not going to be really limited, other than the Astros just sort of uh, uh, limiting him uh, in that to get in spring training slowly. Correa is the one I, I think is. The most interesting. I mean, I think we know Bregman's going to bounce back from surgery. Altuve is going to bounce back from surgery. Correa didn't have surgery. He had a sore back. And his uh, prescription of the offseason was rest that back. And so, you know, how did that How did that do? Is, is, he, is he over these back problems? Is this something that, you know, 24 years old is going to be recurring, which would be, you know, really troubling. So um, I think, uh, you know, if Correa doesn't have back problems and we think those other two guys are, are going to recover, I mean, I, that's a huge storyline for me is Correa. He can return to his form of a couple of years ago. That's almost like a huge season acquisition for the Astros because he did not have a good year and he missed, you know, six weeks in the second half. And when he came back, it was not effective. So if you can get that bat in the lineup like it's supposed to be, that's uh, – and adding Michael Brantley, I mean, that, that you know, the offense is going to be back to what it was doing a couple of years ago. You uh, are posting an inbox, and you um, one of the questions that came into your inbox is from Keith Hamilton. Let's let's uh, answer this question. The Astros signed Altuve before he reached free agency. What are the chances that Springer and the Astros work out a long-term contract? Yeah, that's probably something coming to the forefront probably pretty soon. He is, uh, I think he's getting $12 million this year. He signed that two-year deal last year to avoid arbitration. So then he'll have, I think, one more arbitration year in 2020, and then he's going to be a free agent. Um, and so, he, you know, he's – the Astros have this seems like every year now they have, they're going to have different uh, guys coming up for a free agency that they're going to have to decide how to handle. They've already locked up Altuve for a long time. You know, Keuchel and Marwin are out there and then eventually it's going to be Correa and then Bregman. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the Astros tried to sign him right when he got to the big leagues to, to one of these team friendly deals. Like they were able to sign Altuve too, which turned out to be a huge deal for the Astros. Um, you know, they give John Singleton, uh, regrettably, ten million over five years. Altuve uh, uh, Springer had a deal on the table and, and did turn it down, which you know, looking back for him, was probably a good thing at this point. So, um, it, I think it depends on how healthy he is and the kind of years he has. I, you know, when he's a free agent, he's going to be thirty-one years old, and um, in this day and age, you don't see a lot of you know guys in their mid-thirties getting better. And it, he's already a guy that has injury problems, uh, you know, with his with his quad and. Uh, you know, the way he plays, it, it's such a high-flying, a frenetic kind of pace in the outfield. He's been prone to injury. So they're going to have to weigh all those things, um, you know, see who they have to replace him coming up through the pipeline with some of the young outfielders. But um, so I, I, I would suspect that after this year, that's after this season, that's probably when the Astros really get serious to decide, what do we have in George Springer? Is he going to be a long-term part of our plans? And what's the cost going to be? And uh, I think that we'll end this conversation with, uh, and I hate it when people ask me that, So, but I'm going to ask you anyway. The like, Give me a percentage of a chance that you think that the Astros will add a starting pitcher. I mean, you and I, you know, we, we've been around Jeff Luno long enough to know that two major question marks, the pitching rotation and catching. And those are, I just feel like there's no way Jeff Luno is done um, tinkering with this roster. It's just, um, you know, everything that he's done in the past, when he has some kind of question mark or a hole to fill, he fills it. So give me a percentage of what you think the chances are that they will add a starting pitcher before or during spring training. How about this? 100%. I have no doubt <laughs> they're going to add a starting pitcher. I have asked this question over and over, and I'm, I've been told the same thing every time. We're going to get somebody. 
Now, it might not be someone that's going to knock people's socks off, but it's somebody I think you can pencil in the rotation, um, uh, you know, a veteran presence, someone who, who's done it before that can sort of lengthen the rotation and give it the depth they need. But I'm going to say 100% that they're going to get a starting pitcher. I think it'll be sooner than later. If you said in camp, uh, you know, if you told me before camp, I might be, you know, maybe 75%. But any time between now and during camp, I think 100% is going to happen. It has to happen. They, they need another arm. And there's still uh, deals to be made out there in free agency and, of course, uh, via trade as well. Okay, you heard it here first. 100%, 100% Alex. <laughs> Astros fans, they're going to hold you to this tags. I will uh, send my thoughts and prayers to your Twitter account if this does not happen. Um, but we, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you. So thank you, Tags, for joining us. Thanks to everybody for listening to MLB Extras, the Houston Astros edition. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.